0: Hi, and welcome to Process, a podcast where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the ups and downs of the creative journey. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. On this episode, I'm really excited to be talking to A.D. Pinar, a founder of venture-backed startup Receiptful and former co-founder of WooThemes. You know, that little thing that kind of transformed the WordPress website ecosystem? No big deal, right? Well, 80 is a very big deal. In this episode, I'm pumped to ask him about his creative journey and his entrepreneurial energy. Most of all, though, Adi and I will be talking about the important moments when you have to press pause. Let's get to it. Adi, it's awesome to have you on. Welcome, Adi, to our podcast. Tell me a little bit about yourself. For everybody who doesn't know so much about you, I've been following you for years. Tell us a little bit about this transition between Themes Public Beta, Receiptful, and everything that you do and have done in the past.
1: Yeah, well, so first off, Marcella, thanks for, for having me. It's always great, I think. It's always great to just tell stories, not because they're perfect, just because they're stories, right? So for those listening that don't know me, I'm Adi Pinar. I, uh, a couple of years ago, I co-founded a business called WooThemes, made a hell of a lot of mistakes. Throughout the journey um, of WooThemes, I exited WooThemes myself uh, at the back end of 2013, uh, started up something new called Public Beta, completely failed at it, took some time off. And then uh, most recently, from about mid-2014 until now, I'm busy on my latest startup called uh, Receiptful.
0: And we'll get into Receiptful in a bit. I want to right now... Focus a little bit on public beta. I would not say you totally failed. I was a customer of public beta and I enjoyed it. Your time off from public beta was around six months, is that? Or a little less, a little more?
1: Yeah, approximately, yes.
0: And you started that, let's call it like a a break or a pause, with a blog post by that name, uh, Pause. And I want to talk a little bit about this blog post. So I've been reading your stuff for years. And this post is, among others, but it particularly... Came to mind for this podcast because at the time that you published it, I think it made a lot of people stop dead in their tracks and like really think. It's the title was Pause, and the most, the content of it was focused on why you were stepping away from public beta and your emotional, mental, and physical kind of like exhaustion. Would that be a good way of describing it in terms of all of this like entrepreneurial stuff that you were not only going through, but you spent a lot of time creating over the past. I think at that point it had been like six or seven years. What was it like to press publish on a blog post that personal?
1: I think, you know, uh, well, actually pressing the actual publish button was one of the most like freeing things, you know, I ever did. I think, you know, I definitely subscribe to the mantra that shame dies you know, with exposure and, you know, whilst, uh, you know, obviously my wife and close friends had known about the decision to press pause on public beta, you know, before I actually wrote the, you know, the blog post um, and shared it with the rest of the world, I think, you know, we, when you do something at that scale, you know, even though it's probably just my mom and my dad and my, um, you know, my in-laws reading my blog, you know, it's it's out there. And I think, you know, being able to do that and being able to say, you know what, this is where I'm at today. And these are the decisions I've made, and this is why I've made them. I think that's freeing, and you know, to a point where, if I had to kind of theorize why that's freeing, you know, apart from kind of the the shame dies with exposure, I think it's just as an entrepreneur, or just you know, just as a maker, just as a, you know, someone that puts you know stuff out there into the world. I think we, you know, throughout those journeys, we just kind of pack on all these you know, rejection, failures, little failures, like mistakes we make. I don't think anyone's, you know, shoulders are ever broad enough to, you know, just you know, keep on carrying that forever. And every now and again, when we have a big success, we manage to kind of, you know, take some of those stuff and say, you know what, it was all worth the journey. And we, you know, we put it on the side of the road and we continue, you know, onwards. And then we just accumulate all this baggage again. And I think writing a post like that is just this kind of, you know, almost, you know, kind of uh, experience of drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know what, all of this stuff that I've, you know, this baggage that I packed on, it's actually not that relevant anymore. And it, they, I definitely don't have to kind of carry it further. And the way kind of symbolically that you get rid of that is just by kind of putting that out there and saying, you know, this is the line in the sand. This is what it represents. This is why, you know, I'm drawing the, you know, this line in the sand on this spot, you know, kind of today. So in that sense, I mean, I think it's just uh, freeing is definitely in the words liberating. And it was, I mean, I think, you know, definitely a challenge the way I was thinking, the way I was feeling at the time. And, you know, in hindsight now, almost two years ago from writing that post, I mean, that was kind of a monumental step for me as as an individual and a creator and entrepreneur.
0: And it's crazy to think that this was just a year and a half ago. Um, And you only had, like you said, approximately six months off between Public Beta and Receiptful. What did you do in that time? I mean cuz it sounds like you made incredible progress. <laughs> if I could free myself of everything, all the burdens that I've that I've been carrying in just 6 months, like please share your process because that's amazing. <laughs>
1: So I, I don't think kind of, I wouldn't say I, I managed to free myself of, you know, kind of every demon that, you know, still haunts me. I mean, I think, you know, almost and I'll, I'll go back to kind of that six months, but I mean, fast forwarding to, to where we are, you know, where I'm at with receipt for right now. I mean, I've, I've never felt as good as my, you know, my life. And I, I'm literally at the point where I'm wondering where the kind of the, the, the downs of this, you know, roller coaster ride is, you know, the downs that I know so well, but you know, I still, har- you know, one of the biggest, you know, kind of fears as an entrepreneur that I still harbor is, you know, I didn't want to fail. I mean, I, I'm i still very conscientious about making good decisions every day that won't lead to failure. I mean, that's part of that is just, you know, kind of a some kind of personal demon, something or some baggage that I'm still carrying around that makes me kind of doubt decisions, doubt, you know, what the things we're doing. So I never think, you know, I don't think it's possible to ever cleanse ourselves of, all of the shit that, you know, goes on, you know, in our heads and in our hearts. And interesting enough, those, you know, looking back at the six months that I didn't pursue one thing, you know, kind of full time, I didn't actually do something to kind of, you know, cleanse myself. I think I, I literally, I, uh, in i there are two things, ha- you know, kind of happen. I had to write that post. I had to kind of draw that line in the sand and say, you know what, kind of, um, you know, b- my experiences both with WooThemes and public Beta that had led to that point, you know, I, I almost just needed to be capped. It's very simply, it needed to be capped and say, you know, I, I can't carry the bad stuff around me. I have to take the good stuff, you know, onwards and, and figure out what to do next. And the second thing is kind of time just created a bit of distance, you know, from that, you know, from, from that point. Because during that time, I mean, during the six months, I was, you know, even like two days after writing that blog post, I was conjuring up new ideas, new things that I wanted to to explore. I explored a couple of, you know, smaller kind of ideas and projects during that six months. So it wasn't like I wasn't creating, I wasn't putting myself out there, even though I, that's what I said that I was going to try and do. I wasn't able to, I wasn't disciplined enough to to actually do that. So I don't think it's, I have no real Kind of, you know, I know I have no kind of concrete process, at least. I think it was just, as I said, I think it's just a case of, you know, being able to shed that baggage, put that out there for, you know, for, for at least for important people in one's life to, to, to know and see that. And then just creating a bit of space from, you know, from previous tough experiences, I think good people will always rise—kind of cream rises to the top, kind of thing. You know, so if as soon as you create that space, you know, from from those bad experiences, you know, the phoenix rises again. I'm I'm, I'm full of cliches, um, no, I and, think it's and, and, and corny and corny stuff today. I mean, I'm literally making this stuff up as I go. But in hindsight, you know, that that's the kind of you know thoughts that come to mind about you know that period of my life.
0: It sounds. I mean, there's there. I reread the post. And I, I reread, I have it in a, a bookmarked folder called like must read. And it's in it, I read it when I'm feeling I'm the only one going through it. And I reread it right before getting ready for this, for this episode. And one of the, the terms that stood out to me that I maybe had not really focused on in the past, you know, when you reread something, something else pops up, is your, your term feeding the beast, And it sounds like what you the beast, I guess, in this sense, and correct me if I'm wrong, would be kind of like the entrepreneurial, like ambition and your identity, identifying with that or through that in terms of your self-worth i don't know maybe i'm taking this way too far
1: yeah. no no it's it, it's exactly that. i mean one of the biggest challenges i had when you know after public beta and well but after ruthiems and then after public beta was exactly that my my identity so i mean at the time you know i have i think i have multiple different you know kind of you know identities the primary ones you know in my life today um you know are i'm obviously a i'm obviously a dad i'm a spouse to you know to my wife a, a partner to my wife, and then I'm an entrepreneur. Those are the kind of three primary identities. And what happened during that time was, when I did, wasn't work actively working on something that, that allowed me, kind of, you know, to pursue challenges, be stimulated by the challenges, and be ambitious. It was almost like, you know, kind of the, the the analogy of a, a three-legged, you know, chair. So whilst the other twos were still there, and so you know, significant parts of my life, it felt lopsided and 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 like wonky, right? So, and it was that I, I think, you know, kind of being, and it's not, I don't think it's just entrepreneurship, but I think any creator, anyone that put, you know, creates something and is willing to share that with the world, that is a beast ultimately, because there's a never ending kind of, you know, at least personally, I can never feel content. You know, there's always something else, something like there's always a next step, you know, and I, I, I've learned, well, I've, I think I do so, you know, more these days, but I've learned to be more in the moment, um, more of the time, but I've never reached the point of just being content. And I don't think as, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a creator, I don't necessarily think, you know, in my lifetime I will ever get there. And I don't think it's necessarily needed that I ever get there. But in that sense, as I said, I think when, when things are tough, and that was my experience um, in writing the, you know, kind of post, you know, when things are tough, that beast is still there and it's still driving you. The only thing is, like, I, I was just, you know, burnt out emotionally, mentally, um, you know, physically, I was just burnt out and I, I could not feed the beast anymore.
0: And from following you on Instagram, <laughs> I would say that those six months, it kind of seemed like you were, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were spending a little more time in nature. And maybe because I observe things too closely, but you, you post a lot of photos of like wineries in South Africa. And it kind of seemed like you were paying more attention to what was outside and not on the computer. Did you feel like that was was that intentional or was just kind of like, oops, by accident, I'm playing with my kids outside. Or I think at that point there was one. <laughs> um, yep. And and it just may, maybe that played a part. I'm not sure, but it, it'd be I'm curious to to ask you about that.
1: Yeah, so I, I think now that you mentioned, I mean, so what did happen at exactly the same time um, and coincidentally was that we had moved and we had you know moved out of the suburbs into the countryside or at least semi-countryside, and we now, as an example, we live right, you know, right next to an on a river, and um, which meant and was and it was summertime in South Africa as well, and I I think I definitely got out more, um, you know, I I wasn't spending as much time on on the computer because I, it wasn't needed that I was. There was nothing. There was no to do list to actually get you know through. Um, so I was doing other things. I was you know I, I actively tried to pursue or create um, you know other hobbies. And the only one that's you know kind of stuck is uh, my love of wine and actually going out to wineries. So, but yeah, I mean it was definitely. I mean I, I I'm not a big kind of you know naturey you know person, but you know when I do get the opportunity, I mean I'm, I I definitely appreciate you know being in that environment and you know the the benefits and the serenity of actually just being. You know, and well, I mean, without being, you know, too kind of, you know, zen like or, you know, almost hippie with my, that's my own terms. But I mean, just be one with the rest of the world, you know, not confined to, you know, a house or a desk with a computer.
0: And is that something that has translated over now that you are, you know, super into receiptful? I mean, it's a veg- venture backed startup. It it's uh, It's a very different animal now that you are. I mean, I checked out the stats yesterday. There's like over a million dollars worth of revenue created by these receipts. Can you, how about you help me uh, explain Receiptful? I think it'd be much better if you explain it than if I explain it. I was one of the beta customers. Right now, I don't, I'm not into e-commerce at the moment, so I'm not using it. But it is something that whenever I go back to selling something online, it's one of the first things that I would sign up for. Tell us a little bit about Receiptful. And tell us a little bit about how you are managing those ups and downs now, so as to avoid that whole needing a pause, kind of crisis mode. So first of kind of my uh, my
1: elevator pitch for for receiptful. So um, we basically started with hypotheses that email receipts, um, you know, so every. Every online sale um, or purchase generates an email receipt. So we, we started out with the notion that email receipts, uh, should be leveraged, leveraged as a marketing opportunity. And what we did is, is essentially two things. We, we created a beautiful, um, you know, easy to use drag and drop receipt builder, which with the aim of kind of, you know, creating a marketing tool for marketers, not for you know, developers. And the second thing we did is we created these integrated upsells um, that just works. So it integrates on your e-commerce platform side and you can use it in your receipts. Uh, so the simplest examples I have of that is um the ability to you know give a customer uh, a discount coupon to incentivize them to make a repeat purchase. Um, so you can include that within your receipt and we would just you know kind of dynamically create a unique coupon code for the customer in your you know, e-commerce platform or something for example that you know that is a big merchants like Amazon do as well as to uh, use their recommendation algorithms to uh, within the receipts to actually kind of show you other products that you might actually like. So we've basically used that. We've sent, I think we will surpass uh, 2 million receipts sent over the weekend. Um, we've generated almost $2 million, US dollars, in additional revenue for our merchants. And we're basically using that data to now build other complementary kind of marketing you know tools for e-commerce stores as well.
0: And you are based in you are based in South Africa. And yeah, so you, you travel uh, a ton to London as well. Is that correct?
1: Well, so yeah, so Receiptful is a UK company. We have a British office in in London. We don't have a physical office there. Um, I'm down in Cape Town, South Africa. The rest of my team is scattered all across Europe. So we're 100 percent remote and distributed. And at this stage, at least, there's there's definitely no plans, you know, for that to change. We I definitely prefer the kind of the the opportunity not to have office overheads. even though I would love a fancy office, I just don't want to pay for it.
0: And how does that how is it working remote? Do you have an office at home? Or do you kind of leave the house for a certain amount of hours to go somewhere else to work?
1: So, at the moment, I, I, I've been working at home. I have a, we have a separate well, guest room, guest bedroom that I have a small little corner of the house, which is uh, the only place in the house that's exclusively mine. And whilst, I mean, I, I, the one thing I can tell, you know, tell everyone, it's, it's definitely challenging at times. I mean, AV Jr. comes, comes home from school at, uh, at 1 p.m. And um, the first thing he does when he gets home is he wants to play with that. And sometimes that's hard. I mean sometimes I'm like in the middle I'm like in you know in flow working something important or I'm you know having a call with someone and he just wants to play but on the flip side kind of just the the reason I prefer working from home is it just integrates you know work and life um in a very kind of unique way where I can just kind of uh, move between those states of you know of being a you know of working and just being kind of being at home, you know, either as a spouse or a dad. So yeah, no, no offices for us. And I think that's, you know, the, the same goes for, for the rest of the team as well. At the moment, everyone is working from home.
0: I mean, I ask you mostly because of my own research, <laughs> because <laughs> I I work at home as well, and it's really difficult. And It's interesting that you say that it integrates different areas of your life and kind of like that three-legged chair it can't really be wonky if you're at home and you know like you said it's different for other people um it's interesting how you're making it work for for yourself what is it like to hold yourself up in that room and is it does it feel like being kind of like a solopreneur or are you always kind of connected to your team so you don't feel I don't know maybe you've never felt but I do feel sometimes lonely when you're in a room by yourself
1: yeah, totally. So, I mean, we, I think, so it was a purposeful decision initially for me to find team members that are mostly within the same time zone as myself. So, you know, whilst when I, I put the initial team together last year, I had loads of, you know, applicants from, from, from the States, for example. Um, and it would have totally made sense to hire them, you know, but I think they were. I had to kind of decline on um, some great candidates, but it just made sense having everyone in the same time zone. So what that means is we, you know, for the vast majority of my workday, there's a big overlap between my workday and the rest of the team, um, which mostly means that there's at least one or two of them, you know, online, and there's some kind of interaction, you know, going on. That said, though, I mean, there's definitely days that, you know, where I feel like, you know, shit, I, I, I can't, you know, do seven or eight hours in my home office today, I need to get out. Um and it's then when I would kind of, you know, either, you know, go out to my own and just, you know, work from a coffee shop, for example, or what I prefer doing is, is is not that because I always find that work in that sense is is not optimal, you know, kind of because I don't have my second screen, I don't have my keyboard, I mean, etc, etc. So what I would do instead is um, you know, I would meet up with, you know, friends that are entrepreneurs and founders themselves, you know, even if it's just, you know, for a quick coffee, just to be able to physically connect with like-minded people. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does get lonely. But most of the time, as I said, the, the kids, you know, kind of uh, the, there's a dynamicism like uh, and the energy in the house because there's kids in the house. So there's always stuff on the go. So much so that I think, you know, it's, it's easy to forget that I'm working on my own in front of a computer.
0: And I, I just have to say for full disclosure that we're recording this. It's uh, seven in the morning in Nicaragua and it's 3 p.m. for you. Yes. So I am having my first coffee of the day in my pajamas, <laughs> and you are having your second. Um, so I, I definitely understand that. I think it's one of the themes that I've kind of noticed in my podcast interviews is that a lot of everyone who I've interviewed has mentioned at some point or another kind of designing their business to tailor to their needs uh, in some way or another. In this case, like you hired to avoid losing connection to your team, and that's... Yeah. That's uh, like you said, you lost a few really good candidates based on that. But that's that's amazing. I never would have thought of that. So like hats off. Tell me a little bit about how you avoid kind of another having another pause moment or exhaustion now that you are in a, you know, is high profile, venture backed. Like I said, how do you avoid those pause moments when you're already feeling because you mentioned earlier where you're like, where are the lows? that I know come from entrepreneurship. And that's kind of, I don't know if you've ever uh, been exposed to Brene Brown's work. She mentions yes, uh-huh. yeah, foreboding joy. And that's kind of the term that came and popped into my head when you mentioned that, where it's like, you know, like I, we were talking about a, an email, like things have been a little crazy lately when we were scheduling this call. And you're like, no, but good crazy. Everything is lately has been good crazy. And when things are like really good, it's hard to step away and say like, I don't have to be afraid of things going back, toward really bad. How do you avoid that nowadays with Receiptful?
1: So interestingly enough, I think what I've realized is the following. So if I look at kind of the first couple of years at Goo Themes. I mean, it was mostly kind of you know plane sailing. The 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 business was doing well, it was growing and we were having fun. And I think kind of as a first time founder, there's kind of part of the ignorance, right? So ignorance in terms of you know what that entrepreneurial roller coaster actually means. And then during the second kind of part of my journey in themes that's when that kind of roller coaster became more prominent and you know it, it it got to a point where it was definitely kind of you know challenging. And then Obviously, and that led into the, you know, the kind of pause moment or like I had an overflow into the pause moment of public beta, which almost crystallized this need to, to kind of always take care of myself. And what's been interesting with receiptful is, you know, if I look back since our launch in November, it's not like we've been without challenges. It's not like we've not made mistakes. Yet, you know, I have this notion that everything is going really, really, really well. And I think there's a, there's a couple of things, you know, for that. I think firstly, as a individual, I've, I found purpose in this thing I'm pursuing. I'm, we have this crazy idea that, you know, receiptful will send the vast majority of email receipts worldwide in the future. So there's purpose and ambition in that. So I think there's this, you know, massive kind of crazy you know, energy that's driving this forward, which means that the little hiccups along the road seems insignificant. And the second thing is, I think, is is just this notion of almost being more pragmatic and, and knowing now that no entrepreneurial journey uh, is ever without the downs, but knowing that those downs don't have to get me down. So it's almost like kind of, you know, instead of experiencing those downs in full, they just seem to kind of, I've learned to move on quicker, you know, and 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 almost subconsciously, you know, just just move on. You know, it's it's something I just work through. I, the downs don't seem to have the same effect anymore, and I think that the, there is an active part in that as well. I think there's an active part of kind of having allowed myself to pursue this crazy idea. And the other part is just kind of, you know, say, I will always make mistakes. I just have to learn from them and, and, and move on and acknowledge that, you know, most of these downs, most of these mistakes, they will never be fatal, you know, towards this kind of journey that I'm
0: obviously passionate about. Yeah. It's interesting that, that you say that because it reminds me of how I got used to running longer distances, and I don't run long distances. (laughs) Um, But when I started to stretch past my comfort zone, I started realizing that you will always hit a wall. Well, I mean, there are amazing days, but those are very few and far between. (laughs) So on most days, I will hit a wall and it became much easier to know there is the wall. Oh, it's coming. Here's the wall. I'm climbing over it and I can get to the other side. And it sounds like once you're a second-time founder, third-time founder, it's like you know you're going to hit the wall or many walls and you know there's another side. So it kind of becomes easier once you identify the process. You're like, oh, here I am again. It's all good, just part of it. Yep. Does that make and I sense? Mean-
1: yeah, totally. And, and interesting enough, when, you know, at, at the point where I was, when I had to press pause on, on public beta, that actually had the the, the kind of a, a converse effect on me where I knew where, and I didn't see them as walls. I felt like going through the experience with themes, you know, I'm now experienced, you know, kind of, you know, entrepreneur. So I know where all the pitfalls are, and there are a shitload of them. And that, that actually had a negative effect on me that meant I was like anxious about really anxious about, you know, making mistakes all the time. Whereas now, you know, kind of, I I don't know, there's a a feeling of newness, you know, with the kind of the challenges that I'm experiencing with, you know, with Receiptful and an acknowledgement that throughout these years, you know, I've actually just built up, you know, skills and experience to actually get past them. And earlier, so and I could share this um, on my birthday earlier this year in Jan, I actually stumbled onto literally um, onto words that I now have as my kind of personal daily, you know, mantra, which is everything I've done until today, I set me up for success and happiness. Everything I'll do today will leverage that and continue this journey. And I think that, that there was that kind of realization that, you know, as you said, there will always be more walls to climb over. But the more you climb over the walls, the kind of the, the fitter you get and the easier it comes to climb over those walls.
0: That leads me to something that I think would probably leave our listeners with a little positive note, because we have been talking about a lot of lows. What right now is the most exciting for you? Not just necessarily in terms of receiptful, but in terms of, you know, those, the three legs that hold up your chair. What's most exciting at the moment? And what are you most looking forward to?
1: So (laughs) it's going to sound either narcissistic or very, very selfish. So I think so in that analogy of chair, you know, what excites me most is, 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 the chair itself. And, um, you know, I obviously, I mean, I am the chair. If everyone has ever wanted to be a chair, you know, I, I obviously aspire to, I obviously aspire to this, but seriously, that is what excites me. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I just feel such a kind of. Uh, almost a kind of a a neutralizing, you know, kind of energy in my life at the moment, which, you know, allows me to pursue all of these, you know, all three of those things, you know, all three of those identities, not necessarily an equal Measure, but in equal effect, um, and equal kind of impact. Um, and I definitely, I, I mean, I, I love, I also know that, you know, whilst being an entrepreneur is a, a significant part of my life, I also know that, you know, I, I absolutely kind of aspire to be the, you know, the best spouse and best husband that I, you know, husband and, and dad that I can be as well. And I just love kind of, you know, it's almost like compounding interest, right? So, you know, the, the more kind of energy I can create in one of those whereas I can take it, you know, to the next one. It just creates this, you know, massive kind of, f- Force that drives everything forward. And that's exciting. I think, you know, I I think, and it feels like I've stumbled into a period of my life, you know, that is literally going to be kind of a catapult, you know, either to, you know, kind of, you know, bouncing up to whatever next kind of, you know, foundational platform, you know, that platform is, or just kind of, you know, this is going to become a big part of, you know, my life story. And, you know, hopefully that's this kind of period of my life lasts, you know, for. You know, three, four, five, ten years, and not for you know another month or two. But that's what it feels like. There's, it's just, it, you know, so many things feel like you know that is aligned. Um, at the timing is, is just right for me to kind of leverage, um, you know, all of this positivity.
0: Well, thank you for sharing all this, AD. and I. And I honestly, I, I applaud you. I've been through many lows. I've had my moments of pause. <laughs> I just came out of one uh, recently, and it's uplifting and encouraging to listen to your story and to know that there are many more chapters to come. And I'm curious, and I hope that you continue to share your, the process behind it through your blog, through whichever means that you choose to, so that, you know, people like me or, or anybody else can learn from it, apply it and, uh, and just cherish in your, in your story. So thank you so much for being on process today. Awesome.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: You heard it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with ADPNAR of Receitful. What an interesting conversation to have from opposite sides of the globe almost, from Nicaragua to South Africa. Thank you, interwebs. And I love how AD found the courage to press pause on his business and himself almost in order to get a better look at how to be the best chair if we follow his three-legged chair analogy. And it sounds like it worked. He's got a beautiful family life and a startup that's growing by the day. Thank you, AD, for sharing all of that with us. I'll be posting more on where you can find him online in the show notes. So visit marcelachamorro.com process for more info. And to you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Process. If you enjoyed it, I'd be so grateful if you do that little iTunes thing where you rate, five stars, and review, and subscribe. <laughs> you know the drill. And you'll be in the loop when we're back with more episodes. Tune in to our next episode next week, Friday, for more from Process on managing the ups and downs of creating and making. I'm Marcela, your host, and this was Process.